All right, Kevin Barker. You say Kikuchi. Yay or nay tonight? Yay. Every, every, everything that you wanted to see, I think, you saw. Uh, the, the first couple of non-competitive fastballs that he threw, it didn't bother him. Uh, you know, a couple of starts ago, that would have destroyed his entire outing. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, he had a, a fluid leg kick, which is a big deal. You know, that start and stop thing, the couple of different leg kicks that he had, that's just impossible to repeat and, and get the arm up to where he wants it to get up. So that was fluid tonight. Uh, he had a natural arm slot. That's a big thing, right? They were trying to get him really up on top of it, sort of like Iron Mike. And now it's sort of a little bit more three-quarters, just a little bit more natural for him to, to be able to repeat that over and over again. He wasn't shaking at all. Did you see a cutter? I didn't. That's a great thing. Uh, he threw 13 to thirteen strike ones to 18 batters. That's really good. Uh, you know, I guess if you were looking some, at some positives and you can't wait to see his next start, all systems are a go. Yeah, what I really like too, and, and uh, Joe Siddle alluded to this on the telecast, and Buck and Dan both made a similar point. Uh, you know, we sing the praises of Danny Jansen an awful lot in this show. We talked about it on Blair and Barker today as well, about Danny Jansen working with Yusei Kikuchi, how the numbers are better. They just are. Kevin, you talked about not shaking off. You talked about the fastball use. Uh, give us up a home run. They, go, they stick with the fastball. You talked about a couple of non-competitive fastballs. They stuck with it. They called it. There was no shaking off. Maybe, just maybe, the message has gotten through to Yusei Kikuchi. Maybe a couple of weeks off with that phantom neck strain and that start in AAA, some time to to maybe do some thinking. Maybe the message has gotten through to him. Now, that wasn't perfect. Again, it's, it is Detroit. They're they're one of the worst hitting teams in baseball. His they're awful. Starts, Let's they're, just say it. They're a absolutely. bad lineup. The, the next start will be against Minnesota. They're a better team. They're a better offense. He's going to have to have a better slider. The slider was okay. It wasn't great. Uh, he had some good competitive misses, which is a big deal for that slider. The home run he gave up, that was a cement mixer right down the middle consistently to good teams. He can't do that. But I just like the way when he uh, – right out the gate, the, the fastball was non-competitive. It was sort of out of the hand. It was a ball. It just didn't seem to bother him. Like he, he threw, I think, three of them in a row. Danny Jansen just sort of, okay, give him the sign. Don't don't let it shake you up. Just continue to do what we were working on in that, in that early work and, and the bullpen and hopefully he can get it back on track. His finish was good. The confidence was good. Uh, the mechanics, he's, he seemed like he's fixed. That was good. Uh, you mentioned it. Joe mentioned it. Everybody that talked about Yusei Kikuchi mentioned it, that he's throwing more fastballs. He has conviction in that. I mean, they need him. They need him to be decent. I mean, he don't have to be outstanding. Just be competitive. Give them a, uh, that, that offense a chance to score some runs, turn it over to a pretty good bullpen, and hopefully you win most of those games. I mean, five and fly means doesn't mean what it used to mean back in the day when you'd see a starting pitcher go seven, eight, or nine innings. But five and fly for, uh, you say, Kikuchi would be just what the doctor ordered right now. If this is what you get going forward, if you can pencil him in for five innings going forward, maybe five and a third or something like that, I think if you're the Blue Jays, you would take that. Uh, the New York Mets, by the way, have just acquired outfielder Tyler Naquin and, a, and left-handed pitcher Philip Deal from the Reds. The Reds are getting minor leaguers in return. The only reason I mention that, Tyler Naquin, uh, an outfielder, center fielder, uh, a guy who has been linked with the Blue Jays as a depth piece. Nothing major, but as a depth piece. 
he is on his way to the New York Mets. 416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590, is the text line. You saw what we saw from Yusei Kikuchi tonight. I think you would have to admit you'd take that from him every time. I want to know what you think about that. Has tonight's performance by Kikuchi at all, at all, changed your opinion about Ross At about what Ross Atkins should be focusing on as we get to the trade deadline. You also, of course, have seen the new renovations to the Rogers Center by now. I'm sure most of you have. What's your initial takeaway from it? You know it's going to be a two-stage thing. Do you like what you've heard so far? Will it be enough? And I'm interested in particular if you're somebody who hasn't gone to the Rogers Center lately. Will those renovations, have they piqued your interest? Do you have... Do they have you more interested in going to the Rogers Center? Uh, we are waiting John Schneider's comments after the game. Got to get an update about George Springer. Kevin, as soon as he swung the bat, that last that last fly ball, we saw him. I thought I didn't know if it was his wrist or his right elbow. His right elbow, of course, is his elbow's been an issue. It's 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 kept him out of games. But you could tell from his reaction that something wasn't right. Uh, again, we'll see what John Schneider has to say about that. But uh, something to watch for sure. Bo Bichette colliding with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. What happened in that ball, Kevin? Well, it just—it's that's a tough play. You, you got a, a couple of guys trying to go as fast as they can go to to make a play at the big league level, and you got to be—you got to be loud. Like the out—that's the outfielder's ball. Loris got to be super loud. It looked like he was shaking his hand. You couldn't really tell if he was yelling and screaming or not. But again, that's that's a tough play. That's a play that has to be made, especially in the eighth inning when you know your your eighth inning guys in there. That's a play that has to be made, but. Again, it's not the easiest play, but you need that outfielder to be as loud as he, as he can be. If he has to yell at Bo to get out, get out, I got it, I got it, as loud as you could possibly yell, then you have to do that. The play wasn't made, but again, you know, you tip your hat to Jordan Romano came in. Uh, he got a big out there in the eighth inning, and then he closed the door. So it doesn't always have to be pretty, Jeff. Mm-hmm. All they have to do is win. Matt Chapman is uh, in a bit of a heater, isn't he? No question. He looks confident. Uh, for me, he looks like he's sitting heater. You can tell the separation when the front foot hits the ground. He's got that little separation. That gets him in that athletic position that he can recognize secondary pitches. I mean, he hit two home runs on two strike pitches. Like one one of them mm-hmm. was a one of them was a, 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 ch- a changeup. The other one was a sinker. Like you're for me anyway with two strikes, you're not hitting either one of those if you're not sitting velocity. Like get your foot down in that athletic position. That way you can you can recognize out of the hand whether it's a secondary pitch or not that allows you to stay down and through the baseball gives you some length with your barrel so that's way you're not out and around that allows you to stay through a changeup and because he's got lots of confidence and he's got some serious buggy whip in his in his swing you can tell a to b when his lower half is working the way it's working now he's got some snap to it like that little whack like he doesn't have to try and create by taking the big daddy hack he just has to get his front foot down be in that athletic position, trust his hands, and have confidence doing it. And, man, if he can do that, Jeff, hitting where he's hitting in the order, holy moly, look out. 416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590, via text. It is Jeff Blair, Kevin Barker, Blue Jays talk, following the Blue Jays' 5-3 win over the Detroit Tigers in the first of four games that will take the Jays up to the August 2nd trade deadline a lot of interest in this series kevin in toronto 
amongst a lot of baseball observers because of the fact that the Tigers are a team that can be expected to make some moves at the deadline. The Tigers are a team. They're they're a little bit like the Orioles in a way in that they've got a lot of interesting bullpen pieces that may not be sexy names, but guys like Will Vest, they have a lot of bullpen pieces that would certainly be an upgrade for the Blue Jays in terms of the Blue Jays' search for swing and miss stuff. I'm going to be it's, – it's like you got to keep, keep notes on every reliever that comes into the game for the Tigers in this series. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, anybody that can command a fastball, that can expand with a secondary pitch, that that does with with velocity. And the bright lights, you know, you got to look at that too. They're going to be asked to get some big-time outs down the stretch, September, maybe not October, but at least get them to October. So you got to look at that too. But, yeah, I'm with you. Anytime a guy comes in that, with a team that's struggling, it's not afraid to give up some arms if you're Ross Atkins you sure got to be paying attention Isaac in Toronto you were at the game you want to talk about you say Kikuchi and what you have heard or what you have seen about the new renovations uh yeah I was at the at the game tonight up in the 500s uh, thanks for having me on guys um I uh, just great to see Kikuchi back and doing all right uh I, I loved the 13 I think it was 13 uh first pitch strikes mm-hmm. uh that was exciting um also the Jimmy Garcia is a bit scary there in the eighth inning, but uh, Jordan Romano coming in with the one pitch was uh, obviously good. But the um, yeah, I'm excited about the renovations. I was looking at the outfield and and just thinking about the the fans being right up against the against the field with these new renovations. It's something really exciting to me. So uh, yeah, you guys it's are good. great. I listen to you guys all the time. I uh, just oh, really thanks, happy man. to uh, have you on. So thanks. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I, you know, the renovations, Kevin, uh, my initial takeaway is there, there's only so much you can do with the Rogers Center. Uh, and and I'm not saying that to slag the place because I happen to enjoy going to the Rogers Center to watch baseball, uh, both as a as a working member of the media and also, frankly, as a fan. I've mm-hmm. never found it uh, to... I've never had the, the feeling of animosity towards the place a lot of people do. Maybe that's because I spent a large chunk of my life working at Olympic Stadium. And uh, you know, that would tend to, you know what they say, once you've, once you've been in a place that once you've been in the worst place you've ever been in, nothing else is as bad, right? <laughs> so I think that's damning with faint praise or fading with praising with faint damnation or whatever the hell it is. But a, a, a couple of things. There's... Yeah, you, this is never going to be the beautiful waterfront ballpark with the beautiful vistas through center field. It's it's not going to be it's not going to be like like San Francisco. It's not going to be like PNC Park. But what I like is one of the things I really wanted to see, and I don't know if they can do it, and, I, and they probably can. I wanted to see a little more natural light in the concourse area. But what I like is by by bringing the fans closer to the action. First of all, you're creating more of a baseball environment. And at least from the artist renderings, it just feels more open. You know, it, it feels, and obviously it'll be different when the roof is when the roof is back and when the roof is closed. But there's just, I'm closer to the play, which is good. But at the same time, there's like an airiness. There, there's an openness to it. And uh, you know, I've got to say all the little intricacies, Kevin, the raised bullpens and things like that. I'm a big fan it. of all that. But just the feel. It it my first reaction when I saw it is okay. 
it's enough to make you forget that you're in a concrete bowl. That mm-hmm. that's which is that's 110 percent of the trick. I, I, I love it. I, I, it's almost like Mark thinks that the, the, the baseball players are too far away from the fans. The fans are too far away from the baseball players. They, they want both sides to get a feel of what's going on when you the true baseball atmosphere. And I, that's what I love about it. And, and he's trying, Mark Shapiro is trying to, you know, the, the fan that is not always in watching the baseball game and every single mm-hmm. pitch still has something to do there. They, they can go yes. there, they can drink, they can eat, they can hang out at the patio. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a cool event now, and that's what I love about it. I just love that it's when – when, you know, even when I was in, in AAA in the minor leagues, like, when the fans were closer, it's just more fun. It's fun for both sides, the fan and the player, to interact and, and talk back and forth and flip baseballs. And, you know, you, you're closer to, the, to your favorite player. It's just a, it's a cool thing, and, and it's about time. Yeah, I, was, I have to admit, I was like Buck and, and Dan. I was surprised that Toronto had the second most foul territory in baseball. I had no idea of that either. I, I mean, I, obviously, we've all been to Oakland, and Oakland's mm-hmm. like, it's like a separate field between, between the dugout and – and uh, and the baselines, but I had no idea, which you know just gives me an even. I was thinking about this; it gives me even more of an appreciation of the defense we see from a lot of those guys. That's not what I was thinking. I, I was thinking that's great for a hitter. Like you, <laughs> yeah. you're gonna you're gonna get so more so many more extra chances because of that little yeah. you know the the lack of foul territory. That's great, but I, I just love that they're, they they know they have to make adjustments and they're making them. Which, if you're a Blue Jays fan, it's pretty cool. Uh, we do have a clip from manager John Schneider and George Springer. How's George Springer feeling after leaving the game? He's feeling good. Um, he really is. It was, you know, he's been grinding a little bit. We all know that. But he kind of had a high-impact game, dive and catch, a couple huge throws that kept runners where they should um, late in the game. Um, it's just a little bit of elbow discomfort. It probably looked worse than it is right now. But uh, we'll check him out tomorrow and see how he is. That is uh, John Schneider talking about uh, George Springer, who left the game in the uh, the bottom of the ninth inning after making the last out. Sorry, top of the ninth inning after making the last out in the eighth mm-hmm. with uh, with an ugly swing. And I mean, George Springer's been open. The elbow is something that's going to have to be monitored for the rest of the year. Uh, it, John Schneider is right. It was a high impact game <laughs> for for Springer. There was, it sure was there was a lot going on with George Springer in that game, and that's you know Kevin. He's not going to be the first guy who is going to have to monitor that situation. I mean, my God, Kevin Pillar one year played a large chunk of the summer with a with a fractured wrist that nobody knew about or a fractured hand that nobody knew about because he he uh, pitched a fit uh, mm-hmm. during the game. Guys are always doing that. I, I think if you're a Blue Jays fan right now, though, you know this just this amplifies the need. I think anyhow for another depth outfielder. I have no problem with Rymel Tapia. If he's got to play center field for the next three games of this series, I'm fine with that. But as as good as Bradley Zimmer is defensively, I need I need another left-handed bat in here, preferably a left-handed bat, a guy who can play a little bit of defense. I need a guy like throwing out a name, not going to be him, a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr., just somebody that I can run out there two days in a row to play center field. If he gives me a little bit offensively, that's great. Just basically catch the ball. Catch a damn ball, throw to the right base. That's all I need. Don't be a complete, you know, waste of space offensively like like Bradley Zimmer is. And I, I've got to think at the trade deadline with all the stuff Ross Atkins has to do. I think Jays fans will be disappointed if by the end of the trade deadline, Zach Collins 
and Bradley Zimmer both aren't in this team. You need an upgrade. You need an upgrade maybe, on maybe, on but bench. it's a lot to ask. It's a lot to ask. Like, like I, I'd rather have uh, two two legitimate arms out of the bullpen. And maybe, oh hell yeah, maybe. I mean, I'll go real, with Nathan Lucas if I have to. If I can get two quality arms out of the bullpen, I'm with you, Kev. There, there you go, and and a quality starter. If you can get that. You, you, you'll play with what you got when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. George Springer, for me, is going to earn his money in September and October. So, you, so you're doing everything possible. You know, John Snyder's got, got a real good way of telling you everything you need to know in, in the way that only John Snyder can do. So you, you love that. You never walk away going, what, what, how does he really feel? Well, we know exactly how he feels, and they're going to monitor that, and they're going to make sure that he's raring and ready to go. And that's what you love about that, right? There's other guys that can pick up the slack. Uh, he's. You can tell when he's on the field, he plays with the hair on fire, and he's a really good player. They're going to need him down the stretch. Hopefully, he can figure it out, and they they, you know, give him the time off that he needs, and he'll go when he when he's his name's in the lineup. Four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety star five ninety one triple eight triple six zero five ninety. If you can't reach us by phone, use the text line. Bob in Burlington prior prior to the All Star break with road trips to L A, Oakland, and Seattle. The Blue Jays had become unwatchable. Normally, Bob, I would say I would I would disagree with your choice of words a little bit, but I use those same words myself, so I'm with you. Now they are hitting with men in base, getting timely pitching, etc. Ironically, it was a long ball and two strikes by Chapman. Right, talking about that, they got three of their runs. A sacrifice fly to left field by Danny Jansen got a run as well. Yeah, we we, we talked about this going back to that Boston series. This this team, we've seen this team, Kevin go through a bit of a metamorphosis or morph a little bit over the course of the season. Couldn't get a hit with runners in scoring position. They've gradually moved up into the pack now with that. They've had a couple of months where they were the best team with runners in scoring position. Now they're getting a lot of hits, a lot of really good hits, making a lot of good contact with two outs as well. That started in that Boston series. We saw it carry over again today. Now, a lot of that with runners in scoring positions, luck. you got to have the right guy up at the right time who's hot and feeling it. And, you know, Danny Jansen came you know up. What? He had a, quali- he had a it's easier. bat and got it done. And it's easier to do that, Kevin, when you got six guys who are feeling good instead of just one. No, no right? question. It's, it's, no question. It's, it's easy to have the lucky guy come up when six guys are feeling lucky. <laughs> no, no, no question. Com- compared to two. Having quality at bat after quality at bat helps too. You put pressure on the defense. You make the defense make the plays. You don't punch out as much. But it's amazing how your team can look when you have decent starting pitching. I mean, this start, starting pitching doesn't have to be great. Just give them a chance. Give the, the, the lineup a chance to figure out the other team's pitchers and have quality at bats and start using the entire field. And You know, Kirky had some good at bats. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had some good at bats. Man, when he hits the ball, even when he gets an out, man, he hits the ball harder than most humans can hit a baseball. So, They've won 10 out of 12. That's all you can say. Yeah. Continue to win. 416-870-0590, star 590, 888-666-0590, is a text line. 5-3, the Jays have beaten the Detroit Tigers. We'll take a break and take a look around the AL East. It's Blue Jays Talk with Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan and the Sportsnet radio network. 5 ball out towards center field. Springer on the move. Dives and he makes the catch. What a play by George Springer. Another diving grab. Kikuchi loves it. Lifts his cap, points out to center field. Springer with another amazing defensive gym. Boy, John Schneider certainly picked the right word to describe George Springer's game tonight when he called it high impact. Mm-hmm. It certainly was a high-impact game. 
And uh, if you missed jo- uh, John Schneider's comments a little earlier, George Springer left the game before the top of the ninth inning after uh, taking an uncomfortable swing to make the final out of the eighth inning. It is an aggravation of that elbow injury. Uh, John Schneider saying that George Springer fell fine. They will look at it, uh, look at the elbow tomorrow. Uh, you know, look with George Springer. Frankly, it wouldn't be surprising if he's not in the lineup tomorrow night. It's a situation that's going to have to be monitored going forward. And uh, you can sit here and whine and cry about it, but um, it is what it is. And now the Bet365 standings update. With Bet365, you can bet in things like player props, totals, or the money line across many different sports, 19-plus play responsibly, Ontario only. The American League East, every team in action tonight in the American League East. No surprise, Jeff, it's not hockey. We play every night in this particular sport. The Baltimore Orioles beating the Tampa Bay Rays 3-0. Derek Fisher now has company for the most outrageous missed fly ball in right field. Uh, was it Nate Lowe? Uh, Nate, Nate, Nate Lowe or was whoever the hell it was. Anyhow, the ball, the ball hit him on the noggin and uh, went for an inside-the-park home run. It was pure Derek Fisher. And, uh, so the, uh, the Baltimore Orioles fishered out a, a 3 nothing win over the Tampa Bay Rays. The New York Yankees, well, the score was tied going into the 10th inning. How do you think the Yankees won the game? Uh, take a guess. It's the Yankees. You're right. Aaron Judge homered. one nothing. Yankees win the game on a walk-off. The Boston Red Sox beat the Cleveland Guardians 4-2. As a result, these are the updated standings. The Yankees, 67-33. and 33. Toronto is 55-44. and 44. They're 11 and a half back. They're now two up in the race for the top wildcard spot. Tampa Bay is 53-46. and 46. The Baltimore Orioles are 50-49. and 49. They're still ahead of the Red Sox by half a game. They're 50-50. Next in line for the Baltimore Orioles is surpassing Tampa Bay. My head may explode if that happens. I'm okay with Baltimore (laughs) going ahead of Boston. I didn't see it coming. But if the Orioles, I'll I'll just say, how dare they? How dare they go ahead of my Rays? Enough is enough. And any year to do it, it would be this year. I mean, half the team for the race is missing. They're they're, they're hurt. So, you know, if they they got any chance of doing it, it would be this year. Ed and Scarborough, you want to talk about George Springer? Hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. Um, Yeah, so with George Springer, like, my thing with him is he's in, what, year two of a six-year, $150 million contract. And, you know, for – him getting banged up as much as he does, and I get it. That's his playing style. Like, we're just about to eat what we used last 40 mil on his last two years. Last year. my, my concern is, what's George Springer going to be in year two? And that's why every time I hear you know, fans or the front office talk about, you know, the Blue Jays' window to compete is, like, for the next five to ten years, like, I don't know how we could say that, you know, with the banged-up George Springer, or Guriel and... Teoscar aren't going to be here forever. They're going to have to get paid. You know, same oh. thing with our catchers. Like, I like the when Never the- mind that. Bo and Vladdy are going to have to get paid. Never mind those other guys. I mean, they're yeah. incidental. So, you know what? Three of mm-hmm. those guys will be here. Two of them won't be here. Bo and Vladdy are the ones that are going to be key. That That's that's the that's the concern with the window. Um, right. But you're you're a li- you're concerned. Here's the thing with and, and I I mean, I don't think I should have to tell people this. Whenever I see that a player signs a six-year contract, 
I assume he's not going to be around for the final year of the deal. I just assume that he's gone after five years. Either he's going to be hurt or he's going to be traded before the contract expires. Now, there are, you know, there, there are examples. It depends on the player's age. I never thought George Springer would finish out the entirety of his contract in Toronto. I also fully expect him to miss a good chunk of games. He may miss, by the time the contract is done, more than a year of playing time. That wouldn't surprise me, and it shouldn't surprise anybody who's seen the way the guy plays and has looked at his history. That, that's just, that's all baked in. Now, I, Kevin, I may be guilty of being a little, you know, a little pessimistic here, but I, I, I think I'm right. I, I, I never expected George Springer to play 162 games every year for me. Nothing suggests he will. Well, he's never done that before. You know, you're, you're hoping if he plays 135 games and, and he yeah. can give you George Springer things in those 135, then you'll probably go where you want to go, which is to the playoffs, and that's ultimately what they're trying to do. Uh, to Ed's point, though, you know, the window may be shorter just because of the way George Springer plays and, and runs with his hair on fire and dives around all over the place, and he comes up with all these little injuries that he has. He, he misses – Bigger chunks of game. So, yeah, I, I think you just take what you get. This, this is what it yeah. is. You, you gave a guy, you know, an elite player for September and a serious run in October, six years, $150 million. Yeah, uh, that's George Springer. George Springer, the value of that contract for me will all come down to how many World Series did you go to? How many World Series did you win when George Springer was in your lineup? Like, yeah. I guarantee in Houston – Nobody looks back in George Springer's time in Houston and goes, yeah, but you know what? He missed all the – no, they look back and say, George Springer won World Series with us. Now, we can have an argument about how that happened, but they can look back and say, George Springer was part of a very good team. Houston doesn't sit there and go, man, the guy got hurt a lot. Having said that, though, it just reinforces to my, in my mind why ultimately George Springer is going to be the right fielder for this team, and you're going to have someone else in center field. I just – Right now, I'm okay with it, but in another year, two years, I don't want George Springer diving flat out in center field for balls. And I know you can get hurt in right field just as much, but I've seen enough baseball to know that the chances of getting hurt or the chances of putting yourself in a position, the chances of playing on the edge the way guys like George Springer play athletically, it's greater in center field than it is in right field. It just is. He, he, he maybe shouldn't be the quarterback of the team is what you're saying, just because of the way he gets hurt and runs all over the place. Have somebody else do that. Elliot in Mississauga, you want to talk Renos at the Dome? And you want to talk about some of the trade speculation ahead of the trade deadline. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, with the trade specs, I mean, you know, what are they going to be giving up? Uh, I would like to see some quality arms, some some depth fielders. Um, but it all comes down to, like, what are they going to give up here? Well, they've given up their top prospects in the past, right? They gave yeah, up Austin yeah. Martin. They gave up top prospects for uh, Matt Chapman. They're not afraid to give up the top prospect. No, they're not. They're not, and they're in a win-now mode. Uh, I mean, arguably they are. Um, I would love to see it. Honestly, I've been a Jays fan since the day I was born. I've been to that ballpark for over 20 years. I was a season seat holder. I've seen some of the worst parks, some of the best parks. I've been a 22. And honestly, Roger Center is not on the top five, but – Hearing the news about 300 mil getting put into the Rogers Center, I mean, I think about the different options. Are like you tear down the dome, you rebuild it. I mean, let's face it: in 10, 15 years, real estate's not going to get any cheaper. But honestly, mm-hmm. for this company to to put in 300 million dollars and extend the life of this this ballpark for 10 to 15 years, I feel like we're being a little shortchanged. I understand Shapiro back in old Jacobs Field. I don't know what it's called now, Progressive, I guess. 
did a lot of renos there, and it looks really nice, a lot of heritage, a lot of homage to the to the city. But I feel like he's doing the same thing here. Uh, I, obviously, he's not the one making all the decisions. But uh, honestly, I would like to see some nice changes. But I get what was on the plate here is either you you either you reno it or you tear tear it down, and you have to relocate the team for a couple of years to build a probably a billion dollar stadium. But I think honestly, they wouldn't to put that. My, they, put, they wouldn't necessarily relocate the team. They would have done it in stages. They they would have still the the well. I don't know if they ever got to this point, but I know one of the things they were talking about was gradually tearing down the Rogers Center, and, and they they you would not have the team, you know, you might have them playing a couple of games in Buffalo if there's supply chain issues, but it was going to be done in a way that the team wouldn't have to miss uh, a lot of time in um, at the Rogers Center, and that's not that outrageous now. A lot of a lot of soccer teams in the UK, a lot of Premier League teams that are redoing their stadiums, uh, they keep playing while the renovations are. Are, uh, are 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 going on, but uh, you know. Thanks for the call. Your your point is well made. You know, this, mm-hmm. one of the things I would about the renovations, um, it's not costing the public any money. It's privately funded renovations to the ballpark. Building a one billion dollar ballpark, I'm not certain you do that without getting some sort of it. Look, I can't speak for people, but I'm not entirely certain you do that without getting some sort of support from the public purse. That isn't happening here. It's a company that's footing the bill for renovations. It's not going to ta- cost taxpayers a cent, which uh, which is a pretty good thing. Kevin, we just got ninety seconds before we before we split. Um, the callers comment about uh, the trade deadline about depth pieces. Uh, we talked a lot about a depth outfielder. Is there another position that has that you have some concern in terms of adding a depth piece? I don't think so. I, I think it comes down to arms. I I, I just you know you're I think you're. To, to think that you can face the big-time teams even if you have to go into the playoffs and face the National League team. It's, it's just – I don't just don't think you have the horses. So you have to have more depth in the Would bullpen. Would you take Will Vest in your bullpen right now? I, 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 yeah. I mean, he throws hard with movement. I think, like, I, I hate to say it. It's, it's as simple as that. But I just think when you can throw power at the end of the season, when all these guys have a, a bazillion at bats, bats are slower, you can get away with hanging sliders. What the, what the Blue Jays have now, they can't get away with those things. Good stuff, Mr. Barker. We will uh, be on the air tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590. The fan, the Sportsnet Radio Network, Sportsnet 360 with Blair and Barker. As always, you can subscribe to this show and to Blair and Barker wherever you get your favorite podcast. So the Jays open the series with a 5-3 win over the Detroit Tigers. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball. Served up by the always game-ready Jack Link's Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side, baseball fans.